This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here to talk about the offense from that very, very bad loss to the Bengals. Here to do it with me, Jason Smith, my friend from Huddle It Up Films. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing okay, Ken. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, you know, working through the issues after this loss. Obviously, you know, a day of cathartic review of that defense and its very substandard effort and an equally inconsistent effort, I would say, from the offense. Obviously, a lot of holes on that offense now. Uh, having difficulty, you know, watching these games and and uh, a second time. How about you? It was actually I, f- I found myself more motivated to watch this one than any of the other ones because I, I just I just had a hard time explaining it in real time, and uh, I really wanted to go back and dig in. And I mean, I think that overall there are some things that are fixable, but there are some things that kind of is what it is to you know, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, that's that's the unfortunate uh, set of circumstances there, offense and defense, uh, lots of things. I mean, Burrow and Chase are in the division. That's not correctable, <laughs> not for the foreseeable future. So that's a, that's a problem. Before we get too far in, Jason, tell us where folks can talk football with you. Sure. I'm at Huddle It Up Films on both YouTube and Twitter. have a lot of uh, content out there uh, weekly. Do a preview show, a review show. I'm uh, on here with Ken interacting. So, uh, you know, anybody that hasn't followed me or hasn't uh, been on my channel, please give it a look. I'm sure you'll find something that you'll like and find something useful on there. All right. Definitely some great stuff from from Jason and and uh, a guy you want to make sure you follow on Twitter and interact with because he's, he's very quick to respond and whatnot. A lot of people who are busier, not necessarily as quick to respond, including me. So appreciate that from you always, Jason. Let's go to the scheme and results from this game. The Bengals uh, really threw a pretty uh, not very difficult pressure scheme at the Ravens. 28% five-plus rushing. Lamar, 10 out of 36. So for the Ravens, that'd be very low. For a lot of pure four-man rush teams, it's actually kind of high, but it's but it's really not particularly high for the Ravens. They should be able to handle that. Um, and that was the 36 throws that Lamar was in. By the time the game was over and Huntley was in the game, not even counting those. So we're going to talk about it as if there were 36 pass plays in this game, 31 passes by Lamar, five other sacks. Um, those are the ones I'm counting when I, when I talk about the percentages around Lamar in this game. 
extra inline players still very high in this game, 1.72 per play. We've been talking about that for the last few weeks now. Uh, the Denver game and the, and the L.A. Chargers, they were up over 1.9 uh, of these players per, per uh, play. It's a very significant commitment for the Ravens to have a running back and almost two of these extra inline tight end fullback and sixth offensive line players because it means they have a difficulty ever putting 11 personnel on the field. It is. And, you know, Ricard is pretty much an offensive tackle on a lot of these plays. And, uh, you know, he's done well in that role, of course. But like you're saying, it, it takes playmakers off the field when you have to assist your tackles. And they gave McCarry a lot of help, but they, they're giving Villanueva a lot of help as well with some of these edge rushers that we saw. And Cincinnati was no different. Um, Trey Hendrickson. The only person we could block really was Cam Sample one on one is what yeah. I noticed in this game. So, uh, yeah, it looks like we're using Ricard. And that's part of the reason why I think Nick Boyle will be big for this offense. He's, you know, a little bit more of a receiving threat than Ricard is and can run some different routes. So uh, hopefully that's one thing that will improve when when Nick gets back. But, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of action for Ricard here in pass blocking. It's, it's easy to see that Boyle would be taking a lot of Ricard's snaps when he gets back. Ricard is up over 50 snaps, I believe, again, in this one, 51 maybe. Uh, and it's just that's that's not a sustainable total for a fullback uh, if you want to run a kind of a normal offense. If, if the Ravens were to run no huddle, which a lot of people are calling for, by the way, and I, I would love to see more no huddle, um, uh, they can't have Ricard on the field as much as that. It wouldn't make sense. They'd have to try and run that from 11 personnel. Uh, more so get 11 percent on the field and then maybe you run no waddle out of it maybe you catch the other team with the wrong personnel on the field when you go to 11 and then you've really got them because they can't really switch out of it very easily um, on a by-play basis at least the, the officials won't stop the play to let them stop it they can always take a delay of game penalty or sorry a 12 men penalty to let to make that switch Exactly. And I, I think that that would be a place to use the short passing game more if we were to do that. Uh, like we saw in Indy, you know, deep shells, we're seeing a lot of deep coverage. The mm-hmm. The Bengals linebackers did a really nice job of getting deep when they had to. It seemed like, uh, you know, this Bengals team was really on the new Ravens offense, not 2019s, not 2020s. Uh, you mentioned their blitz rate is not being anything out of this world, but seven man pressures from the Bengals, six men when we had five in mm-hmm. um, a lot of unblockable situations. And, you know, I give credit to the Bengals in this game too. Uh, this was a game where Lamar was more confused than I, I, I definitely seen him this year, but in quite some time, maybe ever um, rookie year, maybe. Yeah. They, it certainly was a case where when they, those 28% of the rushes where they rushed five plus, they made sure they got good opportunities for free runners against Lamar. And that, that definitely did create problems. Lamar, uh, you know, a fair amount of the sacks they took in this game, uh, a question of Lamar just holding the football for a little longer. When I went back and reviewed it, only one half of the five sacks. So meaning not two and a half, but one half of one of the sacks actually was charged to an offensive lineman in this game. So it was mostly a case of Lamar taking three, three and a half, and even four seconds to uh, in the pocket, moving around a little bit, and then deciding it would be better to take off on a run, which he's usually right by the way, um, than it is to to uh, throw the football away. And a few of those he got away and got some yardage, and a couple others he got minus one, minus two, minus three on sacks. And, you know, that uh, is just the, the nature of it is it, it, it looks worse for the offensive line than it really was during this game. It, it was, Ken. I, I agree. And this was a an, an off game for Lamar. Uh, I think that there were – I could count uh, each of – his targets being open and Lamar just kind of missing him in the progression. Uh, you know, when I got to go back and watch the all 22, you get to see in the big picture and Lamar seemed extremely locked in on Hollywood on some plays on Andrews on some plays. And, you know, I could tell you there, there's a dig where Bateman's open while wow. Duvernay's running up the seam wide, but open and the Bengals made no mistake where they were going. Lamar just seemed extra locked in an off day for him, uh, which is a shame, but that kind of gives me hope the next time we play the Bengals can, and that, you know, it would be a different game if Lamar was on his A game. But Lamar did do some amazing things with his feet, which is uh, which was noticeable in this game, moving the chains and could have changed the game if not for a penalty. So, yeah, that was that was certainly a big penalty. And and honestly, if they if they just gotten the reciprocal taunting foul there, because they certainly seem to have gotten that call before themselves, they would have picked up 15 and a first down after the play. And, and that could have been a different point because that was a fourth and seven play. Uh, sorry, it was, it was the, I don't have the right play there. 
It was on that drive where we yeah. got the fourth and seven. I think it was in that series where we got the fourth and seven. Uh, and, uh, and unfortunately, that would have been a first down there. Let's go back to, to, to the offensive line play a little bit because they, they used 25 set blockers and 13 chip blockers in this game. So you mentioned Ricard acting as a type. There's both sides. Tomlinson, some on the other side. Andrews was kept in the box. I mean, that's almost sacrosanct on the Ravens to have that happen. Um, but 25 set blockers, 13 chip blockers on 36 pass plays. That's the first time this year they've sacrificed more than one um, eligible receiver per play, 1.06 in this case, um, uh, to to block on a, on a on a by play basis, the previous high was last week is point ninety seven against the Chargers when the Chargers were just throwing the, the whole kitchen sink at them in terms of numbers. Now with the numbers way down against Cincinnati, a lot of four man rushes, some five, some six, but a lot of four man rushes. They're still keeping extra p- players into block. And running backs count into that too. They can. Yeah. Uh, they're chipping every time. It seems like when they're going, not every time, but you get what I'm saying a lot uh, before they release out into the pattern. Yeah, so 25 and 13 set and chip block. So 25 set, 13 chip. And, you know, the chips can come from tight ends, but you're right. A lot of the chips come from running backs. Latavius uh, Murray, by the way, fantastic chip blocker. Really good at it. He wasn't active for this game. Freeman can do it a little bit. Bell can do it a little bit. Um, Williams can do it a little bit. I don't think he's really that good. I don't think that's really his forte. But these these older running backs, one of the things you got to give them credit for is they really know how to go go to the body on a chip block pretty well, which I which I love to see. And the timing of their release is is beautiful, especially the veterans. Mm-hmm. Latavius actually uh, Freeman sticks out to me on that. Ken yeah. just personally, where he he has a he has a really good feel for how much that offensive lineman needs his help and how quickly he needs to get out into the flat and just timing that thing, uh, you know, an innate uh, spatial awareness, all of that, uh, just a good feel for the game from the vet backs in, in that area of the game. Yes. Yeah. They really got, they've got good timing on that. Ricard would be another weapon, I think in these situations, if he was a chipper, but he's usually a set blocker, but if they, if they used him as a chip, obviously very big body, you're, you're throwing into the rib cage of a pass rusher and they hate that. You know, but first of all, Ricard outweighs the uh, outweighs the typical edge rusher, but it, but 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 then you he's going for the ribs while somebody else is holding him up high. It's really almost like he, you know two guys are beating him up in a closet almost, and then he he could release into the pattern and and you know he'd be he's still a, a a guy you have to cover a challenge and and an opportunity for Lamar to get rid of the football on a short pass and uh, Lamar is not obviously dialed into where Ricard is unless they do what they did in the, in the Titans playoff game where they really, they, they figure that's what they want to attack, you know, starting the second half of play or maybe starting the game. There's predetermined type of uh, edge flat uh, passes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's been, you know, he's been running routes in the middle of the field as a late release lately. And it's been really interesting to see, but, but just, yeah, he's not on Lamar's radar I, I don't no. think in terms of, And I think the other uh, issue I've seen, and I don't know how fixable this is, but a lot of the backs are going flat out into the flat, and that's where the pressure is coming from. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, so Lamar has these awkward – if he wants to check it down to a running back in in the flat – that's where he's getting the pressure from, you know, Villanueva. And, uh, you know, especially with McCary being out, um, you know, I expect that to be an issue with, with Phillips going forward as well. So tough, tough to see some of those running backs in the flats on these checkdowns, Ken. Right. It's, uh, it hasn't been good. Uh, a couple things about what else is going on. They, they, they had 30 pulls. They're consistently trying to show run action even when they throw. So you'll notice a lot of times the Ravens will pull a lineman from a guard, usually from left to right, just to, to show run action, uh, even set him up as a, as a pass protector at that point. I don't think it's costing them much as a pass protector, but in this game it did, it did result in a couple of uh, negative plays for powers on pulls into a pass block. Uh, so anyway, it's 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 something they like to show. Uh, it it was definitely not a deterrent in this game for Cincinnati to say, oh, they're definitely running. We need to freeze our, our linebackers, or you know, our linebackers will, will be getting in position. They didn't do any of that stuff to help out the Ravens, uh, at least not not nearly enough. 
Yeah, I was I was just going to say they were extremely disciplined. And, uh, you know, maybe this goes back to not having a running back that strikes fear into anybody um, yeah. because they're really just playing it safe. And they're not fooled by these linemen pulling, saying, oh, well, my goodness, it's a run play. Let's follow the guard pulling there. They were staying in their spot taking away uh, some of the short crossers and uh, yeah, powers power struggled with some of that. And he, you know, he would get there, but it's a struggle for him to pull what, you know, three gaps or whatever, and, you know, go from left guard to block a, uh, an end on the right side of the formation. So, um, but basically Ken, I, I feel like they're doing this a lot to double. If you notice on those plays, they're double teaming the both uh, defensive linemen. So we had reader and Ogan Joby, they were getting the double teams while powers was bailing out and, and catching the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they they uh, they had somebody else, an eligible receiver, potentially blocking the left defensive end there, Hendrickson. If they're if they're doing that, but hey. uh, yeah, that's that's a you know it, it, go. I'll go back to the comment you made about it. There's no running back that really strikes fear into the opponent when you do that. I mean, immediately the linebackers shut down their read steps, so they're not taking extra steps downhill to try and decide is this a run or a pass when the ball's in the mesh. They're not taking extra steps downhill when they see a guard pulling. They're saying, all right, we're going to start by assuming it's a pass because I've seen the statistics and Latavius Murray is running for almost six tenths of a yard less than expected anyway. Right. So we can get to him. So, you know, if they if they've you know been over this, not obviously Jermaine Pratt is not thinking that to himself, but they may actually have discussed similar things like that to basically say, hey, look, these running backs that Baltimore has is not are not going to hurt you. So don't accidentally overread the run in this game. Make sure you're you're very disciplined and, and hold back. And I think you're you're right on the money with that. Yeah, Ken. If I might add, I don't think that that's a hard thing to coach pre you know in, during the week. Say, hey, look, the running backs don't scare us. Do not bite on this play action. Do yeah. not stay home first. And and uh, just an aside, Ken. That's part of the reason why I feel like a running back would be the easiest fix uh, on offense. Of course, you want to better tackle, but they're just so hard to acquire and take so much and salary and everything else where you can, I think, find a running back with a little bit of juice in their, in their legs. If we don't have one on the roster, just to kind of uh, balance that out a little bit. So just a little personal aside, I know everybody's calling for alignment, but man, I think our problems go deeper than that. We could use a playmaker out of the backfield. I think. I mean, they need speed out of the backfield is my, is my thing. So they've got a couple different options there. They could go to a, uh, uh, to, to, putting Duvernay in the background. I mean, Duvernay is about to lose. When Watkins returns, assuming nobody else gets hurt, which is a big assumption, Duvernay is about to lose the vast bulk of his snaps. So when that happens, you know, an obvious thing to do is to move him into the backfield uh, or, you know, you can just gadget him on, on jet motion. That, that does something, but I, but I prefer if they actually just moved him into the backfield and had him take some snaps there in terms of, of running the football, he'd be, whether you, you wouldn't want to use him in pistol, you use him in sidecar, but he could threaten one edge tremendously and use a different receiver, whoever that might be, maybe James Prochet, maybe somebody else to, to, to run your jet motion. I, I love that idea, Ken, in sidecar specifically because Duvernay draws is starting to draw a lot of attention. He did from the Bengals. The, yeah. the Ravens run ran kind of a trick play, uh, which I thought was beautifully designed. It ended up in a five-yard loss because they were all over Duvernay on the backside. It was a read option on the front side, so it looked like our typical run play. And, you know, are you going to guard Lamar or the running back? Oops, Lamar flipped it backwards. Duvernay heading the other way. And, man, there were three Bengals all over it. So I th- feel like Duvernay is drawing that attention is my main point on that. Okay. Was Duke, did Duvernay give it off the bell on that play or, or somebody else? Because was I feel like it was a double reverse, but, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong play. Yeah, it was a, the one I'm talking about was a read option. They were running to their right with uh, the running back up the middle and Lamar threatening the edge, I believe. But then Duvernay was in motion to the left and Lamar just kind of pulled out. I pulled it out, in this, but instead of keeping it, flipped it backwards to Duvernay, who had like a wide open field. But again, Logan Wilson, uh, mm-hmm. there's safeties I believe it was Bates and Bell were both all over that and just like we're not going to let DuVernay uh, beat us so it it just caught my attention on that play because I thought it was really well designed almost like a trick play and yet there were you know DuVernay wasn't going wasn't sneaking by anybody so uh, when you said use DuVernay in the sidecar I'm thinking okay well that is definitely a guy like JK that could threaten that edge big time yeah, they, they, it it needs a speed option. Could be McCrary also, but I think Duvernay makes reasonable sense in this. I I, I don't know who they're going to go out and get, but it's if they don't have any future value, I'm not really that interested. If they only have current value, 
Um, it better be a guy at the end of his contract who the Ravens are paying nothing for. And then we're talking draft capital. I'm just, I'm just so unenthused yeah. about that. I can't even say, why don't we come back to trade possibilities? Cause I think we have questions in the mailbag about that. Sure. Ken, we'll, we'll do this. Lamar had 12 ample time and space opportunities on the day, 12, three second pockets, um, out of 36 plays. That's not bad. 33%, uh, about what he, I'd expect, maybe even a little bit better versus a four man pass rush, particularly one where they're over protecting as much as they did. So some of this max protect stuff they, they, they ran. Um, but he averaged 12.8 yards per play on those plays. That's pretty good. You know, you, you, that wasn't the problem with Lamar's game, uh, here included a couple of the big plays, the consecutive, uh, plays that went for the touchdown, the second one that went to the touchdown to Brown. So I think they had a gain of 35 to Bateman, then a gain of 39 for Brown. Yeah, and Oliver, I believe, counts in one of those plays too. I, you know, it's uh, kind of tough for me to pick out, but Andrews drew a lot of attention. Lamar had time, mm-hmm. hit Oliver, uh, kind of a blown coverage by the Bengals. And uh, yeah, so when, when, when Lamar did have time, uh, he'd made some plays. I think a lot of times, uh, I think there were some plays even left on the field there because, uh, you know, he's feeling the pressure when it's when it's not necessarily as bad as it is. I don't think Lamar trusts this offensive line. Um, but, yeah, still good numbers there with ample time and space, Ken. Yep. Well, let's go to the offensive line performances, uh, starting on the left side with Villanueva. He gave up two-thirds of a quarterback hit, four pressures in total as I scored it, three full and two half. Uh, he also gave up a couple of pressures that Lamar ran him out of by getting a positive run play. So uh, I noticed, and this is very rare, PFF had him for eight pressures in this game. And, and I, I almost never have less pressures, at least in terms of total contributions to events than they have. But it's got to be running out of pressure uh, is is one thing to see. So this was a, a game where uh, uh, Villanueva did not have an easy time with Hendrickson. A lot of the time, Hendrickson, uh, sorry, all pass rushers on that side have been bullying uh, Villanueva back into the pocket and they all look at the same tape. So they're all cooking with water. They understand what Villanueva can and cannot do. And, you know, he's, he's had a lot of trouble with the bull rush so far this year. And Hendrickson did some of that, but most of what Hendrickson did was actually swat his arms away and beat him to the outside. Uh, he had much more success than anybody else has so far. Uh, the, the, Villanueva had a tough time blocking him 12 to six to get him south of the pocket where Lamar could really make use of that extra time and either get free with his legs or, or, or make a throw uncontested from the left, at least. Yes. Hendrickson looked like he was uh, taking the old Justin Houston or Yannick approach on this. Definitely. Uh, you mentioned the 12 to six action there. Uh, and maybe that's where the discrepancy with PFF comes from, because I mean, Villanueva was barely hanging on able to push, uh, mm-hmm. Hendrickson away from Lamar uh, on a lot of those plays, I want to say. Um, and in the run you were talking about, Lamar, I mean, literally, I think they ran into the back of Lamar's feet. Lamar took off and got a big first down. Part of that, like, great day with his legs. But it didn't seem like the Bengals were concerned with Lamar getting out to his left like most teams. The other end, you know, on the on, on our right tackle was staying very disciplined with Lamar, but Hendrickson uh-huh. was, was letting it fly. Yeah, Hubbard got a lot of cleanup action on sacks by be, by using that discipline. And basically, the, the, the plays that were turning into run plays, Hubbard did a great job of yeah. collecting them on those. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, uh, D for Villanueva in this game, he did have the offensive holding, the unflagged taunting. We already talked about that, so we don't have to go into that again. Uh, Powers uh, continues to be consistent. He's been, you know, in terms of the chart grading of him this year, he's been a C or better every single game so far. I bet he had one C minus, but he's but he's been in the C range basically every game except for one where he had an A. Two and a half pressures, half a penetration in this game. He one thing that did not go so well for him is on polls. And we kind of talked about this early. He collected just six of a possible fifteen points, so they had him pull fifteen times. Um, but he did give up one pressure. He gave up a, a, another half pressure. I think he missed maybe three. And maybe maybe missed four because I think that would lead up to, to six of 15 points. Uh, had two pancakes, no blocks in level two. Powers is not the problem with what's been going on with this offensive line. I think he's been solid. Um, he, he had a great bailout block in this game uh, for Villanueva that made me actually – miss Ben Cleveland even more because that's really what Ben Cleveland does quite well is process quickly from center to left and get back to help that left tackle a lot. And the more I think about missing Ben Cleveland, it's like, well, he'd really be bailing him out 
on more plays than that. And also, the kind of punishment that Cleveland deals on the typical bailout block is like a chip, except it's from a, a chip from a guy who's 50% heavier, like 360 instead of 240, uh, where you really get a lot of uh, damage done, hopefully, with that kind of a hit. Yeah, some numbers there for sure for in Cleveland's yeah. favor. If he, he plays with aggressiveness and he brings that when he comes back, it'll really help. But, uh, you know, Powers, Ken, this is this is a guy that you and I uh, tend to kind of butt heads on. Now, I, yeah, I agree with your assessment, C-type play, C-type player. Um, but there's just he, – he's frustrating to me because, yes, like he, he makes the blocks, but, you know, I envision what Bozeman and Phillips do on some of these blocks, and it's like, Okay, he's making the blocks. Yes, he gets credit for it, but he's not clearing out space, and it looks like he's barely hanging on. So um, maybe you know my my opinion of him differs a little bit from from others in the community, like Cole and other people I've spoke with him about. I, I think Powers can handle the job, but it just I I, I, want, I find myself wanting more out of that position, and I'm hoping that uh, Pow, uh that that Ben Cleveland or maybe even Phillips, if we miraculously get everybody healthy, can can do a little bit better job. He, Powers frustrated me on the uh, the draw play to Bell. I don't know if you remember that. It was a yep. loss um, where Bozeman was there, climbed, and then for some reason Powers went to help fill in a wave on the left side where Hendrickson was way past Bell and uh, let, I think, DJ Reader just free and pancake Bell right there. Um, so it's like here and there with Powers. He'll end up on the ground a little too much. Uh, you know, it's just uh, I, I really think he could use some leg strength, just a, you know, uh, just a shot in the dark here because he has always been a top heavy player. Um, good technique with powers, great recovery skills. There's a lot of things to like, but I, I do find myself wanting more with them. I mean, I, I, I won't deny that a lot of that is true. And, and it's easier to find technique problems with a lot of the Ravens interior linemen than it is, I think, to find actual results problems. Because from, from a results standpoint, I think they're better than most people credit them with. And Power is a very physical player. I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't like his physicality, you're really not going to like, say, Bozeman's physicality or or uh, even Zeitler's physicality. I mean, I, I think Powers plays mean. He really does try and knock the other guy down regularly. Um, he, he delivers more pancakes than the other linemen do. So uh, you, you get that. But, yeah, I, I mean, no one is claiming Powers' play is perfect. I mean, he's, he's far from it. Uh, I don't think he's been any better this year than he was last year. Um, so it's, you know, it's not like he's taken a, a great step forward. And now in year three, you'd kind of hope for that, you know, with a, with a starting role basically put on his plate with Phillips injury. Uh, yes. You know. I do like his play style a lot, Ken. I'm glad that you brought that up because he is a very tenacious would be the way I would describe him. Interior offensive lineman. Um, and that's a credit, a hustler. It's a credit to some of his recovery skills where he will get beat and just somehow hang on and, you know, technically make that block. So, um, you know, I, I give him credit. It's just a position that I feel myself where I, I want more. I want to see Ben Cleveland come in and just, kick butt you know what i mean and, t- and take control of the job and have have an upgrade there so well me too me too and, and then both and then powers could be a very valuable backup player we, we would we'd have that let's move on to bradley bozeman because he had he had had a three game bad stretch but this ended it uh uh he uh, turned in a b performance here he surrendered half a sack and it's kind of, i have a kind of a hard time tough time awarding or charging the correct portion of a sack because there's one sack to be given out does he get the whole thing a half of it or a third of it i could have called it just like a pressure but in this case he really caused a flush of lamar and i ended up giving him half of that um although this was a play where lamar clearly left the safety of the pocket or the or or the ability to throw the ball away and moved up trying to make a play with his legs so uh, i think i think it's fair at either half or a third if you if you'd call it either way um and what else he surrendered half a a pressure as well on one other play uh left early after 59 snaps uh b for the game uh Good, really good to see him recover, not only from the injury in the previous game, which is very, very important, but also from from some poorly graded performances for three straight weeks. That you know that bothers you because he'd been the Ravens' most consistent lineman for the first three weeks. Yes, it's. Uh, I feel like I kind of put the kibosh on him on my uh, on my YouTube channel because uh, you know he missed a block. Uh, you know, I, I'm guessing this is week four. If you put it to me like that. 
I was like, Hey Bradley, I saw that one play buddy. You know, it's uh, you know, you were on the ground and got beat bad. And it was like, it's great to be able to joke about that because Bozeman's been just excellent for the, through the first three games. And then, like you said, his play kind of declined this game. I thought he played well. Um, the one thing I wanted to, to, to point out that I don't know if fans noticed is his snaps, I think, could get better. They are not erratic. They're where they're supposed to be, but they, they look kind of slow getting there. And it's kind of like the a wounded duck coming back to Lamar where he has to really take an extra half second to uh, get the laces where he wants them. So uh, it was noticeable in the all 22. Yeah. I, and I'm not too concerned about rotating the laces because that's part of the normal job. The very few long snappers even, and they're long snappers always deliver a fastball. They're allowed to pick the ball up the ground, you know, whip it back in a, in a certain manner. And they, they deliver a fastball to the holder. That is their job, and they are paid very well for a very limited role on an NFL team to, to put that job, put that fastball right on the mark. Um, with, with a center, it's a little different because he's got to worry about his responsibilities. He's not protected by the by the rules of blocking on a, uh, a scrimmage kick formation that don't allow you to come over center. Uh, but but he's uh, he then has responsibilities to immediately do. I think they've done a good job of taking some of those off. Uh, Bozeman's play with having Zeitler making line calls and doing some of that cadence uh, stuff for them. Uh, but he's, he's got to find a way to deliver the ball more accurately. And I agree with you. He's throwing a lot of high EFIS pitches. That's a slight exaggeration, but he's throwing a lot of uh, breaking balls, 12 to 6 curveballs, if you want to call them. Uh, going back to Lamar, curveballs indicates it's going left or right. That's not really a problem we've seen. We've seen more of a higher arcing delivery than what would be optimal for Lamar. Yeah, he's uh he's Tim Tebow back there. It's it's on it's on time. It's just not getting there very on time. So yeah, yeah so just uh messing with Bradley. It's it's not a a major issue like you said, Ken. I mean, Lamar's finding the the stitches pretty well on the ball. But just an added note there, I'd like to see some cleaned up. It may help in the running game. You never know. Just getting mm-hmm. that ball back there in time. Yeah, anything that gets the ball back there quicker and Lamar taking in information on the field quicker, I think is, is, is a good thing. So absolutely. Um, Kevin Zeitler uh, has had a really good stretch since the Broncos game, a B plus uh, in this one, uh, one and a half pressures allowed one half of penetration. Every, everything he had in this game was a half a charge. No, he didn't. He had one full charge, um, but he missed only one block and he made all seven of his pulls. So another really solid game for Zeitler. He's now become the Ravens best lineman. Uh, since uh, week three anyway. He had, a, he had a terrible game against the Lions, which was his really now, at this point, his only bad game of the year out of seven. A blip on the radar that Lions game, Ken, because this is my favorite player. Uh, what a great addition for the Ravens in a spot that was uh, troublesome all year last year, this right guard spot. Kevin Zeitler is the guy that I can count on the most on this line, uh, especially now that McCarry is out. Uh, he handled a good bit of Larry Ogunjobi, Ravens killer in this mm-hmm. game. He yep. handled some DJ Reader. Uh, no matter what style of lineman you throw at Zeitler, he is going to be able to handle that in his pulls. Uh, the same thing I was kind of um, not happy with with Powers. Zeitler is there on time, quick. He's a lightning bolt when he heads across to the other side of the field. And it's just beautiful to see. I almost would like to see Zeitler at left guard if we were going to go back to that power. Go there. <laughs> yeah, to go back to that power. Because you know you know, from our draft uh, when we were scouting the interior linemen, that I was looking for that mobility, a left guard that can move. And, um, you know, so maybe that's just a taste thing for me and Powers. But, I, you know, he plays well. But um, but Zeitler, yes, um, my fa- one of my favorite players, a big offseason addition for the Ravens. Yeah, I don't think there'll be any problem with that when Ben Cleveland is back at left guard. He has some apparent Frankensteinishness with his feet. Uh, some ponderousness, but he's very fast when he gets going any any sort of distance. Uh, you know, so he, on poles, the combination of size and and, uh, and speed and, and mass are pretty big deliverers of momentum. Uh, that uh, you know, obviously, think, I think is going to be very destructive in terms of pulls when he gets going. I hope so. Too. I hope so. But yeah, Zeitler, least of my worries. I mean, yeah. he's 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 solid. Let's move on. Patrick McCary, another fine game uh, before he got hurt. 19 of 20 blocks, only one miss, uh, had an A. Uh, injury is devastating at this point. And, and, and the fact that we're saying this is remarkable to me. It's also kind of bad that, you know, you're, 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 you've lost yet another tackle. 
Um, he's a guy who's really helped you. He's not the guy who's supposed to help you, but he is the guy who ended up being the, 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 the tackle you could really trust. And uh, unfortunately, you know, he, he, you know, is now gone. I, you know, I got to think with a high ankle sprain, there's two things that bother me about it. One is high ankle sprain normally is going to be probably four, six, eight weeks. It's going to be a long time before he's back. It's not a quick recovery. Um, the second thing is that he's seeking a second opinion. Why would he be doing that? if it weren't something even more serious than a standard kind of a high ankle sprain, that that's what concerns me more than the initial diagnosis. It, it scares the heck out of me because we need, we need McCary. We need McCary on this team. There's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, he's just been such a bright spot. He has just true tackle skills when it comes to his mirroring. And uh, he's got that fight that you mentioned powers as he is, he is a very tenacious player, no matter where you play him. Um, I'm hoping that he can get back. It's kind of wishful thinking, but I'm hoping that he can be back around that uh, Brown Steelers, Brown sandwich, at least uh, somewhere in there. I think that's weeks 12 to 14, you know, so you're looking five, six weeks out, but optimistic, um, optimistic it is Ken. And it could linger, you know, these things are, tricky just because he would be back wouldn't mean that he would be at the same hundred uh, percent or whatever percent he's been operating on uh, just a uh, you know I see devastating in your notes there I mean it is it's a, it's a tough injury um, and you know he was playing well uh, obviously in this game but uh, bigger bigger picture he played just so well through all seven games and it's gonna it's gonna hurt yeah, he's he has benefited from the Ravens scheme and the Ravens are protecting their tackles like nobody's business. So they've done good things to help him play. But it wouldn't matter where you put McCary, the way he scored the last three weeks in particular. He's he's done such a good job. Even if you considered him interior lineman, his grades would be in the A level or, or very near that. So, you know, it's it's just it, this is the kind of loss. It, it doesn't. It shouldn't be a big loss, but it's an enormous blow to this team. It just, to me, it casts a pall over whatever they might have in terms of an opportunity to correct this line's problems. Yeah, I mean, hey, we're we're down. You know, Stanley and uh, McCary. You know, it, so we we got Villanueva barely hanging on, doing everything he mm-hmm. can, and now we're going to turn to a player in Tyree Phillips who. Um, you know, I guess it's a good transition into him, Ken. Yeah. You know, the Ravens have moved him around. I, you know, I saw him at left tackle in the preseason. We saw him start at right guard last year. We saw him at right tackle last year. Then we're trying to put him in left guard. Not ideal for a second-year player. Um, a guy I've been calling for, Ken, if you remember, to just put him one spot and leave him be and try to let him develop. Well, he's going to be there now for better or worse at, at right tackle, it looks uh, like. You know, something really pissed me off about the end of this last game. And it looked like there was a lot of brother-in-law play going on. So I don't want to I don't want to make too much out of this. But why the heck do you put Tyree Phillips back at left guard for those last nine plays? If, if you pull him from the game, that's fine. You know, just leave him at right tackle. That's fine. See what Sharp can do for, for nine plays. That's fine. And, and have Phillips out of there. It's not fine to do exactly what you did in game one and risk injury by having him at a position where you're obviously not intending him to play. So you know, the intention will be he'll he'll play right tackle for as long as he can, as long as he can um do it the rest of this year. And I don't think McCary is, is likely to come back for much of the season, unfortunately. And so it means probably the job is Phillips or it's somebody else they get from outside the organization. But it's, but I, I don't see the, the value in putting him back at guard for nine plays. If you, if you told me it was all going to be brother-in-law play, then I say, why put him back at at left guard? If it's going to be all brother-in-law play. If you say it's not going to be brother-in-law play, I say, why take the risk? So just I don't I don't get the logic of it. I, me neither. And uh, by the way, Alejandro Villanueva was still in at that point. So if you wanted to give mm-hmm. Sharp some play, you let him play some left tackle um, with sure. Huntley in there because, you know, uh, Villanueva hasn't been practicing, you know, reportedly has a pretty good bruise in his knee. Uh, so, yeah, you're going to pull everybody else, but leave Villanueva out there and move Tyree yet again. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Phillips gave up three and a half pressures on the right side, uh, which was unfortunate. He also allowed a false start in that horrible sequence. I mean, this is just the yeah. the Bengals making the Ravens look stupid with the with the two consecutive false starts late in that ball game. Let's move on because we got we got to get on to the rest of this offense here. Cologne played fifteen snaps, fourteen blocks, a third of a quarterback hit on his other one. Uh, solid game for Cologne on the inside at center. Uh, not enough snaps to get a grade from me, but anything you've noticed from him. 
No, just that I, I think he's put in favorable positions and he's playing that Bredesen role of the six lineman uh, pretty well. Uh, I think that when he was in for Bozeman in previous weeks, you know, I, you definitely notice a drop off in play, but, uh, you know, not terrible. I think you could do a lot worse for a backup a center and a sixth offensive lineman per se. Yeah, I agree. I think he's he's basically done the job there. So he's not uh, certainly not one of the one of the real problems on this line. Uh, general offensive line they made twenty one out of thirty on their polls. That's a little bit of an overstatement because uh, all the all the points missed were Powers, who made six out of fifteen. But they also got six freebie points. So when there's I just this is just explaining my scoring system. When they run a counter, so when they run a two-man pull left to right or right to left, the trailing offensive lineman, which is always the tackle, automatically gets a free point on the pull even if they don't make one because usually it's it's very hard for them to find a second block both in terms of time and in terms of um, uh, having another guy over there to block. So I automatically just score that as a point. You're essentially you're selling a fake with that counter as well as um, you know, trying to find a, trying to create extra power on that side. So just, that's how I do it. I want to, want to make people understand that of those 21 out of 30, there is, there's six points that were freebie points. Uh, seven blocks in level two in this game is really low. Um, then, then, you know, the Ravens running backs are not getting their run being going when the Ravens can't do any of their standard kind of combination blocks to get up to level two. I don't think the Bengals respected it, not even one little bit. We talked about that earlier in the show. And, uh, you know, the Ravens had just a very hard time getting off uh, the easy combination blocks on the plays they did run, getting into level two and making other blocks. Uh, one notable one we talked about earlier was was one was shut down for minus one because both guards lost their man to the inside. And, and the tackle was made after Bozeman moved to level two. So you got you to gotta make it work on the initial block. Then the, the, the guy who's left behind has a really important job to hold that block. And I, I don't think we value that enough. I don't think PFF values enough, for, for example, in terms of their scoring. But I don't think we value that enough in terms of just how important a job that is. We took for granted that Matt Skura for do it, could do it, for, for example, for years. But he was actually doing something that was very valuable and allowing guards to move to level two. Yes, uh, nothing much more to add to that, Ken. I think you said that per- that the whole thing perfectly. That was awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Let's move on to Lamar. Uh, I thought you know, another good game of continuing to extend plays, which I like from him. And he created some sacks personally, and we've been over that, so I don't think we need to do too much more with that. He's trying to make a play. What concerns me about it is that Lamar is trying to make a play just about all the time, and it's this extra effort thing which is when quarterbacks get hurt any player gets hurt but quarterbacks especially because you know they're trying to do everything for a team that's have just has a lot of problems offensively agreed ken agreed sorry i was taking a little drink there but but yes lamar definitely trying to do too much and and uh you know rightfully so the competitor in him i mean you saw him fighting for extra yards and almost bring us back into a uh, into the game in a bleak situation just with his legs. But I think that Lamar overall needs to get a better feel for this offensive line, which is going to be really hard. Like Ken, I was, you know, before McCarry went down, I, I was thinking, I tweeted it out, you know, let's, let's remember we have new pieces all the way across from left to right, especially with Stanley gone for the year. Hey, we have some upside here. You know, let's let this line gel together with Lamar, which is something we didn't get to see a lot in the preseason and off uh, uh, training camp with COVID and all that stuff. But now here we are at just, you know, seven weeks in. It's something that needs to be because I think that Lamar is trying to do too much, Ken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see definitely at the end of that game, we're seeing him in the fourth quarter make that five-yard run left where he ends up by the sideline, still inbound, struggling away, you know, after a guy has already got him by the feet. I'm thinking they got to get him out of there. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Ravens are down 24, I believe, at the time. Uh, get a little bit of feedback on your side in, in the room there. Is there some moving around yeah. going? Yeah, there's a little bit of moving around upstairs, Ken. I apologize okay. for that. No, no problem here. It's just wondering if it was something with your microphone. Um, anyway, still throwing well from a clean pocket. The Ravens need to do more to create those for him, and he needs to continue to be as good with the blindside pressure as he's been this year. 
Yes, you know, overall, I, you know, I was a little bit critical of Lamar here in this game because I've seen him play so much better. And I definitely think that this was the worst game for him of the year. And, you know, I, I don't want to harp on what I said earlier, but I'll bring it back up. Uh, you know, there was a lot of missed opportunities, in my opinion, downfield in this game where he was just extra locked on or sometimes in a hurry to get the ball out. Uh, sometimes, you know, I, I, I feel like it's a timing thing, Ken. I just keep coming back to it. He had time. Sometimes he didn't have time when he thought he did, and other times he had time when he didn't think he had it. So if I said that correctly, hopefully everybody understands what I mean there. But uh, just a, a more continuity, I think, with this line. And uh, I think that, you know, really the Ravens are designing this with the way teams are attacking us uh, to be disciplined on their edges, to really create space for Lamar to step up. And that's something that he's very comfortable with. And I think that there is still a lot of upside in this game. I think a lot of credit goes to the Cincinnati Bengals in this game, which uh, is who I credit most for uh, Lamar's off performance. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's true. We saw that a number of times from the Bengals in the Flacco era that they adjusted very well to who he was. We played a very passive defensive scheme, rush four, drop seven. And Flacco had a lot of trouble with that. Flacco had a lot of trouble, you know, making use of the fact that there were only four rushers, which Lamar can, can make use of, and then you know, having to throw against a seven-man defense and and uh, really finding guys that were open. Obviously, he also had less in the way of op- weapons, which gets to our next point. Let's go through, do some back and forth in terms of players you'd like to recognize among the skill position players. We've really talked about everybody else at this point. There you go. Hey, I'll start with Mark Andrews, who I thought uh, had a great game and then disappeared in this game for whatever reason. Uh, they div- paid a lot of attention to Mark, I noticed, uh, as this game went on. But uh, some big catches again early from Mark. And then uh, on Oliver's uh, long catch, uh, Mark Andrews took two guys with him. So another great performance by Mark. Solid performance. Seven targets for 48 is not what we want from Mark, but, uh, you know, he had three catches and averaged 16 yards. Although that's good, but the, but the seven targets and only three catches is not, um, it's, it's, it, you know, it's not all him. Uh, a lot of his catch rate is a function of Lamar. In fact, of, of right. how he's presenting himself, um, downfield. It's a function of, you know, how, what he's selling to the defensive back. It's a, it's a function of those read steps and those inside linebackers biting on some of what Lamar is selling. To yeah, make him space in the middle of the field. I was going to say on those misses, uh, the, you know, one of them was that zero blitz that that Cincinnati ran, where mm-hmm. Lamar was drifting away, and of course he's looking for his main man Andrews, and it was just kind of a, a very low percentage play. And another one uh, was off Andrews' hand, um, so it was another tough play for Mark. But um, but yeah, you know, I think Mark's going to be there, and I, I just wanted to to take time to recognize him not only the, for this game, but uh, the kind of season he's having as as. Uh, as that guy yeah sure sure is he's still up there near 10 yards a catch right now though i haven't checked it after this game uh i'll move on to bateman um you know i've really liked what i've seen from him a lot of things are going well but i'm going to try and hold it to three things he's really good at the top of the route um he's he's planting his foot in the ground and he's making a move and it could be one of several areas bateman of course came out of college as a guy that that People really expected to have a lot of different um, routes he could run from the full set of the route tree, the full flower, the full whatever you want to call it at the at the top of the route tree. Um, he's he's not just a dig route guy, he's not just a crossing guy, he's not just a back shoulder guy, but he can run from he can he can stop and go, he can do a lot of things. Um, we've seen no fear of the middle of the field, which has been good. Um, and I think he's, he, Lamar has been looking to him in terms of when, where he is on extended plays. Has a no problem crossing the field to make those. Hasn't been really fearful of hits. And he's had good chances for first downs that have risen from all three of those you know, possibilities. So in this game, th- you know, six targets for 80, but it's also three receptions for 80. So he's catching some long balls now. Um, and, and some of those extended plays are starting to pay off for, uh, for Lamar and Bateman. Yeah, just I love what I've seen from Bateman. Nothing much else to add. I think he's going to be a big part of this offense, uh, it, you know, immediately uh, for the rest of the season, not counting the, the next four years here in a Ravens uniform. All right. Who do you want to talk about next? 
you know what? I, I want to talk about Tylen Wallace, uh, and it's not even from an offensive perspective. It's more of a long-term and a, and a mm-hmm. game-day activation. He is an absolute monster on special teams as a gunner. Um, he made, makes my notes every game multiple times a game just from that, just from his kick coverage, mostly on punt coverage, but kick coverage, punt coverage. Uh, he is a – He's an absolute. Uh, his mentality is 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 fit for it, and I think that that's going to translate uh, into his eventual development as a receiver. We're talking next year and beyond, and I think it also makes for an interesting choice of activations when it comes down to him and Boykin um, and Prochet when there's a roster crunch on that side. Hopefully, we get to a point, Ken, where there's a roster crunch on that side of the ball. Yeah, you're mentioning three players that I have together in my list to talk about is Prochet, who had 16 snaps, Boykin, four, and Wallace, two on offense in this game. So they only combined to play 22 snaps, and you have Sammy Watkins out. Sammy Watkins comes back. Unless the Ravens change their offensive style to be more of an up-tempo, which I'd love to see, by the way, more no huddle, more 11 personnel, they're not going to have a lot of wide receiver snaps to hang out, hand out. And they're already making compromises on the defensive side of the ball to, to activate five inside linebackers, which is hurting them other places, specifically the defensive line. It's hurting them at, uh, at cornerback. Uh, and, and it's really a question as to whether or not they can, they can maintain uh, five inside linebackers active. Well, one place they can get a roster spot is from the, from the wide receivers and, and having one of them go down. But Boykin and Wallace – they both play all the kick coverage snaps. They both play twenty in this in this game. That's all there are. Right. And you know, it's it's. I don't think there's a way that they're gonna they're gonna change that and and have a different uh, uh, division of snaps. Prochet is the guy who probably his his time might be at risk since his targets have already been so far dropped down um, by the addition of Bateman. Could be Ken, but we have to find a way. If if Derek Wolf is you know his offensive show, I know, but if Derek Wolf is not back, we have to find a way to get Broderick Washington or another defensive lineman on the field, uh, you know, and in, in wide receiver might be a good spot to sacrifice. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, Welch, by the way, is the same guy. He plays the same snaps so effectively that Boykin and and uh, and Wallace do, and they're all good special teams players, but. It's always been the Ravens' way. You have to be able to play good special teams and do something else. Right. And you know, if you if you only play defense, you only play fullback, your your job is imperiled a lot of times. Lorenzo Neal lost activations to to um, just being a fullback, for example. So you know, it's it's a um, it'll be it, no matter what they've got a difficult choice. I guess it's a good thing that they have a difficult choice because it means they have a backup. That's right. We, I want some good choices on that side of the ball. I would love to see, you know, how things play out with Sammy and Bateman on the field. Maybe that's what we need to go to 11 personnel just because, Ken, um, and more up-tempo, just because those are guys you want to get involved in the offense. Maybe we get away from this heavier packages and be able to threaten the field short. Uh, so, you know, we have Hollywood that can threaten deep and intermediate. We've seen Bateman threaten all three areas of the field. Uh, Sammy hasn't really been targeted deep much, but he can handle that short and intermediate. So maybe the combination of those three receivers out there. I mean, I'm really excited about the receiver group. I don't want to let this, uh, you know, tough loss hide my enthusiasm for this group as uh, overall. I think it's a, a wonderful group. One of the best groups we've had in a long time, Ken. Well, they, they have not been able to play – Great no huddle football, except for very short spurts in Ravens history. They did it under Testaverde in the very initial years in '96 and a little bit in '97, but mostly in '96. And Marcher Broda's hesitation to play no huddle offense was that the defense at that time he just didn't believe could hold up. And by the way, he was right. That defense was terrible. It was injured all over the place. The defensive line got hurt to the point where they had to change their defense in season from a 4-3 to a 3-4. That's that's getting hurt on the defensive line. And so you know, there were reasons for that team not to do it, even though they were largely unstoppable. But watching the Colts game and the way they ran that no huddle for those last four drives and didn't get the third down even once, what it does to an opposing pass rush is so devastating. I would love to see this Ravens team try it and say, you know, we've got a lot. We've got a number of substitutions we can make on defense. Let's take the chance. Let's let's give give Lamar the ball with three wide receivers. You know, take our chances with some pass rush. Slow down that pass rush with a combination of chip blocks and uh, uh, you know 
maybe going with one less protector on some plays, or maybe you end up with your tight end and your running back both staying on some plays. Even that's fine, and, or they leak out late. But I think you can you can do a lot with no huddle, and you can really slow down a pass rush like nobody's business with no huddle. I'm with you, with you 100%. Plus, uh, you know, my point that it get it would get Sammy Bateman and, and Hollywood all on the field. So, you know, you're getting your playmakers on the field. You're, you're getting the, the defense, uh, you know, out of breath. You're wearing them out. Uh, you're allowing Lamar to get into the rhythm. It's going to make things easier on the offensive line. I, I think all of that, yes. Yeah. Be excited, exciting to see that. Um, you got another player you want to talk about? Not really. I, you know, nobody else really stood out to me. Maybe Freeman. I, I could say that I really feel like he's our best. He's our best back uh, as far as the comfort level I see in this offense. I mean, he's not bringing juice. Neither is Murray. Neither is Bell. But Freeman still has the ability to make a jump cut, and uh, the the mesh point looks good. Like the the optics when Freeman are in there look good to me. He looks like our most comfortable is the best word to say it. If not best back, our most comfortable back. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, he's uh, pass blocking is probably the least of his of his strengths, but he's been a good receiver and he's been an outlet guy, which we haven't really seen Lamar work with an outlet guy much because he's usually his own outlet guy. When they when they run patterns all over, nobody has to stay as close to the line of scrimmage because Lamar can leave the pocket and run. But uh, but with with uh, we've seen it a little bit with Freeman, we've seen it a little bit with Williams this year in terms of having a guy late um, who's available for a short pass. Uh, Oliver, uh, I, I guess I'd bring up just because he got 19 snaps in this game was the, is the most he's had so far in a game. Uh, we saw a little bit from him as a receiver. We saw some late with Huntley, but then we also see one ball um, from Lamar as well. Maybe I have it wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of that Colts game because I've been watching that a lot recently. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, seen a little bit from Oliver, not too much as an inline blocker, even though he's usually in line when he's on the field. Yes, I you know I I think that he tries. He's the effort is there for his blocking, but he's just not a very good blocker, and that's part of the reason I want to see Boyle. You know, I can't wait to see Boyle back out there. Okay, tell you what we're gonna do. Let's go to the film study mailbag. We're not gonna do MVPs this week as we wouldn't because hey, they lost the game. Um, but let's do. Let's go to the film, uh, hashtag film study mailbag, look through some of the questions. We can just alternate on going through these. We've got at least two or three or four there, and we can uh, uh, whip through those real quick uh, if you're good with that. Sure. Let's go for it. All right. I'm going to go first. Okay. Media Swartz Nightmare Okay, uh, says, Roman throws too long, too often on first down, putting us in too many long distance downs, making the pass rush a bigger problem, more shorter routes to establish rhythm early question mark. Yeah. See, you know, I'll take that one. I think that that was an issue in this game. I I don't think that that's been an issue all season long. We saw in the Colts game, Lamar was taking what the defense gave him. Uh, We've seen some shorter passes to Prochet. I would like to see, like you say, more outlets if Lamar's not going to be his own own outlet or some quick hitters. Yeah. I mean, great point there, especially in this game. Uh, And in the Chargers game, I mean, geez, a whiz, they were playing so way off. So I think that, yeah, I think that that's an adjustment that the offense has to make because teams are clearly respecting Lamar deep and outside the numbers as uh, all the people question Lamar is spot on when it comes to the deep ball and outside the numbers so a uh, little adjustment for Roman I'm with you I'm with you on that one second part of his question was should you know no huddle more often and change up the rhythm I think we kind of addressed that on this episode I'm all for it yeah Ken and I are both all for that just to get some playmakers on the field get a rhythm and and help out your offensive line in in the process there so yeah I'm, I'm with I'm with that question both of those questions 100 percent okay do you see another question you you want to get to here uh yes um let's see here um Geez, I went pulled up the same thing. What is going on with the running game, Ken? <laughs> this is from uh, Baltimore Ravens, Italia. And uh, Italian flock is getting right at the question there. What is going on with the running game? I'll let you handle this one. Big so, so I'll, start, I'll start with it because 
Harbaugh got this question what yesterday at the podium when he was when he was there, and he and, he happily answered it right. I oh, mean, he, yeah, was he ready happily to... answered it. <laughs> <laughs> so so he basically you know it's a broad question. You know, we got to scheme it better, we got to block it better, we got to run it better, and and uh, there are, there's a lot to go on here. But I think you know you also gotta gotta just start with the fact that the Ravens don't have a particularly scary group of running backs, and this is what what Jason and I got to earlier in this episode is saying that's keeping the defenders from doing the things wrong that they've done in past years against the Ravens. A lot of the big plays from the Ravens these last few years, the, the, the defense runs themselves completely out of position. You know, you watch that Dallas game and Lamar's big run up the middle. Everybody ran themselves out of position like the Red Sea against the counterplay. You want to, you want to look at the Eagles game, similar situation where they, they ran a jet motion to the right with um, not a jet motion, sorry, a sidecar uh, edge threatening with Dobbins. And as Lamar is heading down the middle of the field and the, and the defense hasn't gotten it figured out, Dobbins has already got his fist in here <laughs> celebrating the mm-hmm. touchdown. So it's, I think it's easy to say we need to do all these things, but we need to have a more threatening offense that forces the, forces the opponent to make a lot of mistakes. I did not think it would be this big a deal for the Ravens to be without their top two running backs. I thought it would be a big deal, but not this big a deal. Yeah, and I, I did think it would be a big deal. And you see what happened uh, in the Cleveland game or with Cleveland when they go from Chubb to Hunt, but they have Dearness Johnson, young, upcoming back. So the loss of Justice Hill, if he could have developed a little bit, may have been a huge loss for this team too. But we, we mentioned it earlier uh, for the Italian flock. We mentioned it earlier. It's the threat. It's the threat of speed, playmakers, as I call it, speed, as Ken calls it. I mean, either way you want to say it, um, you know, the, the focus of the the other team is obviously to take away Lamar, take away Lamar, take away Lamar. That's the first three things they're trying to do. Um, but that's easier said than done when you have a back like JK or Gus, who is gashing you for five, six, seven yards of carry and making that extra two yards, which really doesn't show up uh, when you talk about the importance of uh, running backs, but it really changes the whole game plan for this Ravens team. Yeah, it sure does. We have another similar question to the previous one about the no huddle and mixing it up and the long passes. Actually, both both are addressed within a different question by Raymond Dierks. So appreciate you sending in the question. We won't address it separately. I got one more for you. Sean at Baltimore Sky High asks, uh, Bateman's season total predictions now that he's back and we have seen two games. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of firm on this one. I'm not a big prediction guy, but I think Bateman's going to get four or five catches a game uh, as long as he's healthy and in the lineup with or without Sammy. I think he's earned that touches. I think he has a certain explosion uh, in his legs. He brings something different than Hollywood does. He brings something different than Sammy does. He's got that big catch radius like Sammy, but he's given you the yak uh, that neither one of them really has at this point in their career. So, uh, you know, four games or, or four catches is a game uh, 12 games to go Ken am I doing that wait a minute 10, 10 games 10. to go to 12 total games for Bateman I'm sorry 12 total games I'm gonna put him at 50 catches Sean I'm gonna put him at 50 catches I'll give him four game five a couple of games maybe he has one with like uh, you know six or seven a breakout game but I'm gonna put a 50 catch season on Bateman this year that that'd be terrific obviously and and he's certainly got some ability after the catch I'm gonna put him at uh, about 40 catches and put me in for about 480 yards on the year right now. And I got to say, that's a big change. So I'm real up on Bateman because I thought when Wallace was healthy and he made the team week one and the Ravens had other injury problems with but with Watkins and Boykin potentially not being ready for week one, I, I said Wallace is now the favorite to out-yard Bateman in this rookie year. And I'd only put Wallace around 250 yards. Well, Wallace looks like he might get zero. Okay, he might he, he might get a few catches, but you know, there's no, he's not getting very many total snaps. And Bateman is certainly going to do a lot better than 250. So, yeah, I think I think if I had to guess around 480 yards right now for for the year would be where I'd peg him. And you know, I'm willing to be not wed to that and change it again if you ask me next week. Yeah, I'll, hey, I'll go with 50 for about 12 yards a catch. So I guess that's 600, right? You're Ken, your okay. math guy, right? There you go. 50 for 600, Sean. All right, very good. Always a pleasure. To do this with you, Jason, just, you know, we do probably 
15 pods a year now, and I'm on your show a couple of times at least. So it, it's this is a, always a pleasure to talk football with you, my friend, and uh, hopefully we can continue to do this as often as we do. Uh, absolutely, Ken, and just thank you for everything you do with Ravens. Uh, it, it, you know, it, I'm a very picky when it comes to grades because it's really hard to grade football, and you do as good a job as anybody, and it really helps uh, educate the people out there and really give them a clear picture. We are talking about those blocks of what's going on. So just uh, all the credit in the world to you, buddy, and thank you for your support and, you know, for me, for supporting me as well. Uh, you deserve it completely, Jason. He's at Huddle at F- Up Films on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow and and uh, get interacting with him because he's a he's a great guy to talk football with. If you're out there and you want to do a 25 years episode, hit me up with a direct uh, message on Twitter. Uh, we still got to do one of those Huddle It Up and and uh, uh, talk about some weird little angle from Ravens history, some maybe forgotten niche of Ravens history that you, you remember fondly or, or even you'd remember not fondly that this really bothered me about the Ravens where the Ravens built the team or whatever. Yeah, I had, I had the Billick one. I had the Billick one I was on. Yeah. That, that was a that lot was of fun. One. Yeah. And uh, and we'll uh, we still have about twenty more of those to schedule. So lots of opportunity for folks out there to still get on. Uh, just contact me on, on on Twitter by DM. Jason, thanks again for being on. Thank you, Ken. We'll talk to you next time on Films. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.